The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Discretion is advised. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 79 of Rareform Radio. I'm Dan Cleary. I'm sitting here with my co-host for January, Mr. Steve Wendell Isaacs. Welcome hey, back, everybody. my friend. Hello. Oh boy. How do we how do we keep it light tonight? <laughs> There's so I much. don't know, man. I, I just watched that 35-minute video that that guy um, John Sullivan shot. I hadn't seen it. The full 35 minutes where the guy, I guess, pretended to be a Trump supporter and it's in there and he's on the front lines of a lot of those pushing in of doors and breaking through barricades and actually had the shooting of Ashley Babbitt, which I hadn't seen. I just, I, I watched it maybe five minutes ago. And so yeah. I'm a little shook. You sent it to me uh, before the show <clears throat> and I finished it. And of course you'd seen it. <laughs> right. Well, I saw, I saw the shooting. I hadn't seen the, the full video before. I didn't see uh, like that shit, but I saw the shooting of the girl a couple of times. Um, it's really surreal. Um, the fact that we can have a historic moment like that shot in like ultra 4K is, is yeah. just wild times. And that footage is going to be so good at the trial of all these fucking idiots. You know what I mean? It, it's just crazy it's so dark and everybody had a phone everybody was there to document it it was like for social it was for sharing it's yeah. crazy it was a moment it was a moment um so last night the uh the video started hitting the internet of um of people being arrested at airports and uh i don't know that i've enjoyed something so much in a long time uh <laughs> i never thought i could actually shoot a load watching someone be arrested but sure enough i can uh did you watch any of those last night oh man snowflakes beautiful <laughs> beautiful winter snowflakes oh oh did you, sorry did you see the dude who the guy that was laying on the ground yelling and screaming and he said you're treating me like a black person no i didn't see that one. Oh yeah oh yeah dude <laughs> White dude on the ground being handcuffed, and he looks like any business dad, any guy like that golfs or does that kind of shit, and he yells, you're treating me like a black person. Well, not shocked. Yeah. A. Oh, did you see? I love the video. Did you see the, the video of the Southern guy that went viral today where he's just oh. like, how fucking stupid are you guys? Like, oh, man, you haven't seen that? No, no. You got me on one. You got me on one. I mean, I'd almost want to like, you know, we could like play it for the audio because there's nothing really to see in it. Oh, text it to me. And text you it me right cut now. it out if it's, yeah, because it's like, so just, um, no. let me see. Yeah, I'll just, I'll text it to you. We'll leave we, that we shit in. No, shit out. no, no, we'll leave it in. We leave that shit in all the time. But it's as an audio experience, it's pretty fucking good. Um, <laughs> cool. I think it's just on my Twitter. Hang on. Yeah, it's just on my Twitter. Okay, let me look right now. But I'll text it to you. Hang on. It's right. Leslie Jones posted it. This guy is fucking. I mean, except for the southern accent, he's speaking for me. <laughs> God bless him. Oh, oh yeah, got it right here. I can't believe oh, I got to a video before you did. You fucking little piss pants pieces of shit. Oh, we're gonna storm the Capitol. Let's storm the Capitol. We're patriots. You're a fucking coward. 
Patriots. Jesus Christ. Fucking idiots that I played high school football with wearing a goddamn American flag bandana talking about we gotta get bandana. a storm. We gotta take our country back. From what? From fucking what? What are you so goddamn upset about? What has anyone ever done to you? You fucking entitled piece of shit. I'm getting real uh, Sam Kinison vibes from this guy, and I like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you ever fucking call me one again. Don't you ever say, Corey, you fucking snowflake. You're a liberal. That means that y'all look, look, look. What? Oh, 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 oh. Is this the thing that you can't fucking stand? So you've got to get in your goddamn fucking piece of shit Ford F-150 you got from your dad, drive it to D.C. Oh, my. Dude, this guy is really speaking from the heart, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's good. He covers bases. Yeah, I like this guy. He's um, almost crying by the end of it, and it's hilarious. It's fantastic. It's just amazing, too. Like, the people that went there, we're not going to spend the whole show. I promise you, if you don't, if you feel like tuning out, give us, give us three minutes. Um, Yeah, Dan will talk about boners again soon. We'll get back on boners. Trust me. I got a nine inch stick. Don't worry about it. Uh, I don't know where I was at. But yeah, but that, the fact that people went there and were filming stuff on their phones, posting, first of all, your phone is a tracking device. The FBI is finding you. They're going to keep finding you for weeks and months. And all these, these like videos everywhere. And now there's a video of the, uh, the guys dragging the cop down the, the uh, Capitol stairs and beating him with an American flag while chanting USA, USA. I mean, you can't make this shit up. You, yeah. you can, but you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Just they were, the they were treating that cop like a black person. It was un unacceptable <laughs> jesus i'm just talking about that, that you know that other guy you know you know I'm, I'm bringing it back but for christ's sake everybody um i uh i post a lot i post a lot of anti-trump stuff on my social media and i enjoy it it makes me feel good i posted one within the last week and this dude started commenting on it and calling me like a pussy faggot and a commie and warning me that like the violence is coming my way and the violence isn't over with. We kind of went back and forth. He kept calling names and like threatening, like you think that was violent. Just wait, there's more coming. So obviously I reported him to the FBI, but also he sent me a private message with some kind of like, there's a video of, uh, of uh, Antifa pepper spraying some conservatives in LA or San Diego. And he, and he's like, Let's heal. That was his big joke. Like, this is the way to heal. So I sent him back a video of Proud Boys pepper spraying some other folks, whoever the fuck it was. And I was like, dude, we can send videos back and forth all day long of different sides doing different shit. Like, what's what's your point? Like, what are you trying to do? And us, uh, us having this back and forth led to a conversation. And at one point I said, when you go to my page, and you comment and you like spew all this stuff and hate towards me and name calling and violence. What, what are you trying to do? Like, what is the point of it? And, uh, and I said, that's an honest question. I'm it's not very trying to optimistic. You think you'll get a constructive answer, but is one I, coming? I did. I did. Really? And I, I said that to him and his whole tone changed. He said, listen, the way I came at you was totally wrong. I had an aggressive response to what I thought was an aggressive post from you. And I didn't think before I started speaking. 
And I said, self-awareness. And I said, Get cool. Fuck out. I said, I can relate. I've done the same thing. I still do it <laughs> to this day. Sometimes it feels good to be angry and call people names. And, and he was just like, you know, with, with lockdown and things being closed, I'm just, I'm really, really frustrated. And I felt like you were trying to pin it all on one guy, the president. And I was like, I am because it's his fault, and uh, but, <laughs> yeah. and he kind of, he he laughed a little bit. But it, uh, what I, my point is is having these conversations is a good thing if you can get someone to have a normal conversation. Like that's kind of, you know last show, Steve and I had my cousin on who was a cop, and I, it was very enlightening for me. Even though I've had some of those talks yeah. before, uh, we just need to have more of those things. Like talk. Talk to Trump people. Talk to pro-life people if you if you can, and uh, try to find common ground because we do have stuff in common, whether you want to or not. But it's amazing what can happen when you stop being a dick, and that goes for myself as well. So the more you know, I think it's only going to get worse. I'm an optimistic guy. I really don't think it's getting any better. Uh, you it, mean like it's, in it's, the in the coming? But Sean, I was I was yeah in the future. In this respect, 74 million people. And it's not just that I'm right and they're wrong, but largely they're completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I was playing Destiny with my buddy Sean a, a little while ago, you know, and he was like, maybe this internet thing, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Like everybody being able to communicate and, and disseminate information. I love the internet, but we're seeing now with like truth is not an absolute anymore. It's just not. Anything that you can say can be refuted and enough people are on some certain platform and they're, they're spewing lies and connecting conspiracy theories. The idea that QAnon can even be a thing that we're talking about seriously. And it's only been growing. It's been growing and growing. I read more and more about it. There's more and more people that are unafraid. They believe this fucking loony batshit stuff. I don't know, man. I'm like, I like to think of myself as an optimist, but I'm really not thinking that societally we're, it's just showing cracks in the system and they're just going to get wider. You're and right. And climate You're... change is going to happen and we're all going to die. So, so that's it's not going to matter so anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think it's you... just, I, I just think like so many of them are so far gone. That's the thing. And so then the counter argument would be, okay, so you're a lefty, and you believe the myth of the deep state. But what are all these things that I believe? I don't believe some great mythology. I believe that Joe Biden is almost too old to be president, for sure. Uh, he Maybe he grabbed some butts. I don't know what he did in the past. I'm sure he's done some <laughs> bad things. Yeah. I heard some like very bad, in my opinion, uh, opinions on segregated busing <clears throat> back in like the 80s or the 90s, I forget. 80s, I think that I don't support, but everything that I understand about the guy is he seems like a pretty decent guy and he's not Trump. Is he my number one? Do I really, is he my huge choice? No, but I don't have some like huge construct. My construct is everybody in America should get an equal shot. The, the white folks have kept other folks down for a long time, whether it has been actively white supremacist or just by hey, we got it okay, and I don't want to rock the boat, or just not being aware of how sub subjugated a lot, of, a lot of Americans have been, and it's a fucking 
crime. It's always been a crime, and we need to work to undo it. You should be able to follow whatever friggin' religion you want, and you should never try to impose your shit on other people. And we make enough money in America, it's a rich country, that maybe we could take a few policies from around the world and do the best we can and try to spread out some health care and try to make sure that people have p- policing. You know that there's, there's enough money for policing. There's enough money for uh, the military, but not much. I think we spend way too much on it. It's a big business. And when you buy big, shiny toys, you want to play with them. And we always tend to be in a war. So there's a, but way too much money going there. That's the shit I believe. I don't have, I don't believe that babies are, are the leftists or the shit they believe is absolutely crazy. So I'm saying everybody's got to be like me, but I just want everybody to have an equal shake in what was, what was the best country, the best concept of a country that has ever been. But we have a really hard time realizing that and putting that into practice. And it makes me deeply sad. Dude, I was. <laughs> Beautifully said. I mean, I, I agree with uh, every sentiment. <clears throat> it is it is super sad. And it's hard because I don't know what the answer is. The answer is not like uh, start censoring the entire internet, you know, because who decides what's true? But what we do know is true is that <laughs> the liberal elites are not run by pedophile baby eaters. That is not true. Uh I just, it's weird that we even have to say that that's not true, but like you and I, we, historically, we've known a lot of, a lot of famous people, uh, dated famous people, been friends with famous Mm -hmm. people, been in bands with famous people. I've never once been invited to one of these baby eating, adrenal gland drinking, uh, fuck parties. Just never done it. I feel left out. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's where the cool kids are. We don't get me wrong. It sounds celebrities. It sounds fun. I would like to be there, <laughs> but it's just not reality. Everybody, come on now. Uh, what happened to old? I I I just want to get back to like we we're talking about the a couple shows ago. Let's stick with like reptilian alien conspiracies and yeah, let's just let's stay yeah, on JFK. Fun. Let's stay on JFK for yeah, another fifty there we years. Go. I'm yeah. with it. I'm with it. Yeah, give me that kind of conspiracy. That shit's fun. Yeah. Give me conspiracies that were like back decades ago that don't affect right now. You know, that's what I want. I like that's it. That's what I, I like want. it. <laughs> Man. Um, oh. on a lighter note, yes. Have have we have you and I discussed Cobra Kai yet? I haven't seen it, but I everybody seems to love it. So sorry, but I can't like w- tell me about it. A year and a half ago, it might be a year and a half, two years ago, we had the creators of Cobra Kai on Dark Matter. And because because Todd and Navarro loved it. And I told the guys when they came in that I watched it and I loved it, but I lied. I hadn't seen it. But you and I are you were a karate kid person or were you not? I mean, I saw it when I was a kid, but I didn't like. You know, it wasn't like a massive touchstone in my life. You were a teenager then, so it's probably a little bit past. I think it kind of passed where it like, it basically deposits itself in your brain. It becomes a part of your personality. I miss that part. I I mean, like, oh yeah, that's the cute movie. It came out before I was 10. So I was like, it was perfect for me. And the other night, uh, it's it's on Netflix now. So it was recommended to me. And I'm like, I'm just going to watch one and see what it's about. And holy shit. It is so unbelievably cheesy 
and wonderful. Like, I feel like I'm watching daytime soap operas, but for like prepubescent boys my age who are now 40. It's exactly made for someone <laughs> like me. And uh, I'm super impressed by it. Like, it's it's like a really well-written. Uh, they use like the same music from the movie nowadays. And like Johnny Lawrence is a total cocksucking prick. Daniel LaRusso is like now like the wealthy dude who owns a bunch of car dealerships and they're pitted against each other like in, in social ways now, which is just, that's so good. I recommend giving it a whirl. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. Well, sorry, if- I really heard, I mean, today I think I saw a couple posts where it's like my favorite crap in the last, you know, couple of years is over Kai. Yeah. It's you and I have a, uh, We've, we've disagreed so much over the years on movies and shows where, and this one is no different. I, you may watch it and be like, this is the biggest steaming pile of shit I've ever seen, or you might love it. And I don't think you'll be anywhere in the middle. You're going to love it or hate it. And I really want to know what you think. Okay, cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I want to see it. I've heard at this point so much about it. It was like, you know, it's like the Queen's Gambit. I heard about it, heard about it, heard about it. I was like, oh shit, I got to watch that. And then I got to watch that too. I the Queen's it's Gambit. a lot like the Queen's Gambit. I, it's thematically, right? No. Yes, it's very similar. Whatever that I don't know what that show's about, but I think it's about old timey English <sighs> shit, and that's no, kind of no. oh, it's not. No, it's a it, it's it's about fucking chess. I know that. Uh, yeah, it's about chess in the sixties, uh, the sixties, and then the seventies, and it's like I I have seen. I can't even think of another show I can think of that is that high quality. Every single episode, where it really feels like a movie that's been split into like eight or nine chunks the cinematography the acting the music is just like how did they make this a tv show it's it's incredible you know it's is a little it, bit remember when that like stranger things came out and it was really i think one of the first shows where it felt like this is an eight-hour movie we split it up into parts and it really like you're getting a lot more than just a regular tv show it has mm-hmm. that feeling to it and it's just kind of magical is it a drama or a comedy Super drama. Okay. It's it, it, a little girl, orphan, realizes that she has some weird kind of prodigy, incredible mind for chess. She can just see it in her mind. <clears throat> and she kind of finds a way to be into competitive chess. And like nobody gives a shit. She's reading books on chess. It's not an exciting thing to watch, but the director somehow makes watching chess games very exciting. But you could take the chess out of it. It's about this girl who grows up to be a woman. She's got a really strange personality. She doesn't really quite fit in. And she's an alcoholic. She's got an alcohol drug problem. And so she's kind of battling with this as she's becoming this world-renowned chess player. And it's it's like, it's incredible. Is it based on a true story? It, no, it's based on a book. And I, I guess the book was, I guess, loosely based on someone's life, but it's it's, okay. you know, it's dramatized and but it's killer. Okay. Okay. Might be too slow for you. It's got a lot of those moments where it lets things kind of move and lets the like cinematography take over and then the music take over. But that's really when some shows shine, you know, it, that's what makes it feel not like a TV show and more like a movie. Mm-hmm. A movie lets the art of cinema speak part of a narrative, you know? Okay. And TV normally has to really be like, we got to get here in the first act. We got to get here in the second act. We got to, connect the plot so that people are with us and we got to have a cliffhanger at the end. It just doesn't do any of that. 
Nice. That is, so they're but not trying to like magical. pull you into the next episode. They know you're going to watch, and it's that's that's why it feels like a film that's no, cut out. But somehow we, I would just say if you're going to give it a shot, don't give it up. Give it up after the first episode because that's all when she's a child, and then mm-hmm. she's an adult woman afterward, and then that's when the show really kicks in. But it, my rule it might be rough for you if you try to judge it on the first episode. My rule is three episodes. Three is a good. Yeah. Three episodes. What was the last show you actually, the last show you really, really loved besides Cobra Kai? Uh, Dead to Me on Netflix. Dead to Me is Christina Applegate and. Oh, I haven't seen that. Dude. And uh, uh, Linda Cardellini. Yes. I like her. Yes. So it's uh, Christina Applegate and my wife started watching it and uh, I was kind of in the room and doing other shit when she was watching it. And I found myself watching it and I loved it. It's Christina Applegate, whose husband is killed by a hit and run. And uh, they have two kids. And unbeknownst to her, she befriends the woman that killed her husband. And it takes a while. It's just, it's like a, almost like a, like a mystery show, but really, really funny, incredible acting. Um, it feels so real dialogue is so good um really 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 love that there's two seasons and it's going to be three seasons and done they've decided which is a nice cool i like to know there's going to be an end that's yeah. really really good easy to watch half hour episodes um i tried did to you watch do, uh, mando did you finish nope. season two i don't have the disney thing and so i'm waiting for my buddy to upload it to a to a cool kids site where i can watch it for free <laughs> Got it. Right um, but I'm stoked about that. What else? I tried to watch uh, Lovecraft Country and was really into it for like five episodes. And then just, I took like a week off, a week break and then just never went back to it. Did you watch that one? Yeah, I had mixed feelings about it. Really admired what it, what it did. I, I, I love, you know, it was taking... It was taking all these genre stories, all these science fiction and horror stories and monster things like that have have kept, you know, black folks largely out of, you know, the black folk was like the friend or the guy gets killed first or all these like really sad tropes. And one episode, it's like Raiders Lost Ark and one episode like the Goonies and one episode, it's like a, you know, Day of the Dead. Um, All that stuff was really good. I frankly had a hard time understanding dialogue. I thought the sound mixing was really bad and mm. I had to watch with subtitles, which kind of mm. pisses me off. And frankly, the plot was impossible to follow. I had the same issue with that with, with, uh, with um, Westworld. It's like, I like reading recaps after a show where I'm like, that was amazing. I don't want it to end. I'm going to get on vulture.com or entertainment weekly. And I want to read through, see what I missed. I love that experience as a TV watcher, but I fucking hate when I have to read a recap just to find out what, what I watched. I thought their plot development was like, they were just like, fuck you. Good luck. There's a book and there's a key and you gotta like, and we're not going to really tell you all the stuff and it's going to make sense in the end. I thought that was really frustrating about it, but you know, season two, I'll watch and like hope it's good. But the performances were great. The lead dude was great. Agreed. Journey Smollett is amazing. And all the cast of characters were great. Like I really liked so much about it, but I, I just wish they connected the plot together a little bit more coherently. The, sh- the show did make me feel a little stupid because like you, I didn't really, once I was done, I'm like, okay, I, I sort of enjoyed watching it, 
but I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they're there. I don't know really who's who. I don't really know the relations to each other. And why was yeah. that monster there? Uh, it was cool, but why again? And I just, yeah. I, know, I couldn't. Yeah. I but like you. visually stunning, the effects were great. Acting was great. I just it didn't, it just didn't, 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 didn't dig it. come together didn't grab as me. much as it could have. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to, I'm going to keep plowing through Cobra Kai and then hopefully something else will jump out at me. I've also been listening to more music lately, which is, uh, I haven't been a music guy for a long time. I've been all you like said that. I find that so really well, well, when you say, are you not listening to music period? Or you're not like f- finding out about new music and like, Oh, both. I love this. And I got to share it. And like, or just, you're literally not listening to just music. Never ever put music on. I don't put it. Wow. I don't listen to it. When I go for my walks, I don't put it on in the car. I listen to Howard Stern and podcasts. And that's kind of every now and then I'll be like, I want to, I'll go on like a half hour, late at night headphones music blaring phase but music has just not been part of my life and it's partially your fault um you gave me my first job in (laughs) music you 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 hired me (laughs) to be your guitar tech back in 2000 but five or six whatever it was and And, fluffer right and fluffer and fluffer um yeah you you can't go out on stage with a with a saggy ass jig yeah yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta a show happy. up with a chub. Absolutely, right. a happy just to get happy. the show started. You know, of course. And we're friends, and you did it, and I appreciate it, and thank you. You're listen, dude. You're my bro. You know, you're you're the first friend I made when I moved to L.A., and getting you half erect before a rock concert is almost the least I can do to show you my appreciation. So, oh, thanks. Well, there that you was go. actually fully erect. I, I don't know if you're expecting oh, fuck. more. I, that was it. I was a little bit expecting more. <laughs> Enjoying the podcast? If you'd like to show support for Rareform, there are a couple of ways. Become a patron at patreon.com slash rareformradio. Make a one-time donation or choose from a few subscription levels paid monthly for extra benefits. Those extra benefits include bonus episodes not available to the public, exclusive live streams, more interactions with the gang, along with other special perks that will change over time. Choose your level of donation and know that your contributions go to keeping the show running and growing, paying crews behind the scenes, and just supporting independent artists. That's patreon.com slash rareformradio. You can also get Rareform merch by going to rareformradio.threadless.com. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all kinds of silly shit. We're constantly adding new things and limited time only goodies. That's rareformradio.threadless.com. You can also help build the show by subscribing, leaving a review, and most importantly, leaving us a rating on iTunes and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram by searching at Radio. Thanks for supporting independent entertainment. So yeah, so starting touring oh, sorry, yeah. in 2005 or 6, uh, it led me down like a you know, 15, 16-year path of slowly having my love of music destroyed night after night after night because <laughs> the the mystery kind of goes away you know like i remember it, it started early on like within the first two years of touring when i was out with marilyn manson and like met his parents and i was like you're not supposed to have parents you're supposed to be like the spawn of the devil you're not supposed to have like a really sweet mom and a dad who's like making jokes um and then also that same year maybe 2008 or something we were at some huge festival in in 
uh, Europe. It might have been like uh, Reading or Leeds or Donington or one of those. <clears throat> and I forget the band, but I was in the catering area. And there's this dude who was like the singer of the biggest band at the time. And I cannot think of what the fuck it was. But he's on like a phone and he's having this really pussy ass fight with his girlfriend where he's like apologizing. I'm so sorry, babe. Don't, why you like, why you gotta be like that? I didn't mean it like that. I'm just this cowering little bitch of a man. And uh, I was like, oh, these are just people. All these, all these people that I've idolized and whatever, they're just people. And unfortunately they have lives and they have parents and family and they're just not, this is supposed to be, music is supposed to be all they have, but they have other shit. And that pissed me off. Wow. That's a really adolescent perspective on things. <laughs> have you have you ever met me? I'm not the most mature guy <laughs> with the with the best thinking, but well, I mean, I'm old and you're getting old. And like I don't look at you know, I don't look at musicians as like, you know, the shining light. M music when you're growing up, for a lot of folks, you know, um, is and for me, I'll just speak for me. It was like a shining light. The music got me into the person. And hopefully the person was leading some kind of life where it, it gave me some North star. Like I want to either be like that or experience that kind of life, or they were saying shit that I thought was true and I couldn't hear anywhere else, you know, but this is in the day when it's like, you know, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't 50 trillion information. Streams. That's what I'm saying. That's kind and of my someone point. Who was a singer in a band who I believed in it. I really cared about these days. I think there's two things for me. There's, I don't need that for musicians anymore. I don't, I don't care. I'm just like, you know, I'm just, I'm living my life. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about the person anymore at all. I don't need to read about them and find out about what they do because it's going to help me develop as a person. Shit. I'm already, I'm the per, this is where I'm at. Okay. Right. But I also, the other thing is I find, and this is my old man voice coming out. Uh, there's a lot of really fucking awful shitty music. Um, well, frankly, for, for me, because I, I, I don't, hip hop can grow and change. And there's a very minuscule amount that speaks to me, either lyrically or sonically. Um, I like guitars. I like good drummers. I like melodies. And I like a little darkness, like a little spookiness to it or a little haunted kind of a vibe. That's my like A. And then it moves down from there. And I just have not, you know... I, I'm not hearing that. Stuff. And maybe if I was younger, there'd be people being like, shit, those bands are everywhere, dude. You need to check this out and this out. And that. I'm just listening to my Apple music and I check out stuff when I hear it in like TV shows or going through a coffee shop and shazamming it and then putting it in playlists. But that stuff still gets me through the day. And I still love songs. I just don't find that many bands where I'm like, you are fucking on fire. Everything you do is correct and mm. may you fucking please have a 10 year long career and make at least seven to eight albums the only band i have like that now are like queens of the stone age i love them i've loved every album i didn't love the last one villains mark mm -hmm. ronson i don't know fuck mark ronson you know I'm not, I'm, he just i don't know so it's mushy blah 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 but they make solid like give me more of that music radiohead went to hell you know but there's 
there's there's great music out there. I'd love to know about more of it, but I also think it's just not that great of a time for bands. bands yeah, but just even think it's hard to pay rent. Right. It's I mean, hard even, to you're make right, a and you can always go back and listen to the old stuff that you love, which I do a lot now. But even that to me is just like I, I'm. It's not what I want to ingest lately. I want to ingest like podcasts. I love hearing conversations now. Um, you know, it's just, it's tough. It's really, really tough. But uh, do you, um, do you miss playing at all? Oh yeah. All the time. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I, I haven't picked up the guitar in four years. I haven't, I haven't played a guitar in about four years. I haven't sung a song that's not just making shit up. I make shit up for my wife like all day long about the of course. cat, cleaning the cat box and shit like that. But I haven't actually sung a song from end to end since like our wedding day. And I sang her like a Beach Boys song. Oh, that was just... so, dude, your wedding, by the way, was so beautiful. But Steve sang uh, God Only Knows to his wife, acapella, and it was so moving. Like I, I, I was back at that and I feel kind of like I shouldn't have done that. I kind of feel like I should have sung because I sang the whole song. And I kind of think now in retrospect, if I was in the audience or the little you know, chairs, if I was like, why is this guy singing a whole fucking song? This is fucking, this isn't a concert. Like I was wondering if I overdid it and I should have just sung like the chorus, like for 15 seconds and given her, you know, then that was it. Like, I was he, afraid but, I overdid it. But here's the thing when you're doing that kind of stuff, you shouldn't be the least bit concerned about the people that are sitting there. That's something that you were doing for your wife to be. It was just like, that's true. in that moment, it should be tunnel vision of just the two of you. And as someone who was standing behind you, because I was, I was one of your, one of your groomsmen, it was wonderful. It didn't feel too long. Uh, I'm also a sap. So I get caught up in those kind of moments and I love it. And it was just like, softy. And also everyone there either loves you, loves her, or loves both of you. So no matter what, it was just a really, it was a nice thing. It was a nice, nice moment. Honestly, someone who was there. But Thank you, buddy. I was thinking the other day about, you used to do these acoustic shows at, uh, there's a couple clubs in, in LA that we would all play, either Dragonfly or Goldfingers and shit like that. And Steve would do these acoustic shows where he'd do like, uh, oh my God, Elliot Smith covers. And who's the dude that sings Hallelujah? Jeff Buckley. Yeah, Jeff Buckley. Yeah, Yeah, all my like, all my, you know, friggin', I I don't want to say cheesy. I I love singer-songwriters. I love people who can write like a good song. That's what I'm missing. I'm just not, I don't know who's writing the good songs now. You know who's really good? The killer songs where you're like, oh my God. You know Luke Tierney? Yeah, of course. You know of, course. Tierney? of course. Everybody, everybody yeah. in LA. He started doing a Twitch DJ hour on, mm-hmm. I think, Fridays. Mm-hmm. And I tuned in the other day, and he's playing all these bands from when I was playing in Sky Cycle. And then there's like Campfire Girls and Summer Camp and, and just all these bands from Santa Barbara and Los Angeles. And just listening to that for like an hour, I'm like, wow. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. Because I always used to hear old guys go, oh, music sucks these days. But <clears throat> music sucks these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, I heard so many good songs 
and songs that I had never heard of. And like, he's like, oh, and then there was this band that did this. And like, I'm like, oh my God, this sounds great. Like right now, like fucking turn it up. And I just don't hear, I don't hear a lot of that. You know, it's, it's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I'm not writing anything. So that's that. So I've gotten a couple messages um, since the first show that aired with you. And people would like to see you sing something. So we have one more show after, after this one. You might want to try to pull it together in a week and see what can yeah, be maybe. done. Um, and I have requests. I'd have to relearn a song. I literally, if you had a gun to my head and said, play a song, I, I wouldn't, I don't know anything by heart anymore. Okay. I'd have to sit there and, you know, like, A, G. Do you yeah. think you could uh, figure out either Pink Snow or Strawberry? Um, I have to take a look. Yeah. I have to take a look. Strawberry is like a song cycle that all kind of goes together. And I just wrote it a trillion years ago and I never finished it. And um, Pink Snow is one of the songs for that. Well, thanks for asking. We'll see. I'm not okay. Sure. Okay. If not, we'll have you back some other time to do it. But you have, uh, you are a wonderful songwriter, a wonderful singer. And I, I was literally thinking the other day about those acoustic shows and how much I miss those. That was a time when like we were all kind of in different bands and everyone's kind of everyone's supporting each other and everyone's still kind of hanging out. It was before wives and kids and husbands and all that kind of stuff. Um, some very, very nice memories. I think your listeners should tell us like, where are the scenes right now? If there are bands, if there are groups of bands playing in places, obviously they can't play out, but like, where are those places? You know, what, what's, there was a Seattle a long time ago, you know, and there's, there's a Santa Barbara and there's like, it has, some of those places have to happen again. It can't just be bad hip hop. People can't just be making atrocious, unimaginative, shitty bass or can they? <laughs> or can maybe, they? Yeah. Maybe they can. Guys, tag at Steve Isaacs on Twitter with your recommendations <laughs> for current bands that yeah. you think are not shit. Um, That'd be good. Did you get into Bonavere at all? No, frankly, you would think I would because Elliot Smith is one of my favorites. Something about Bonavere made me want to punch him. Oh, which is saying a lot. It's like <laughs> something about the, the the nature of how he double tracked his voice, and it felt I know really speaks to some people, and I respect him. I'm joking about the punching him, but it just when I hear that music, I don't want to hear more. Okay, uh, that, that's check this funny. That, by, by the way, that's one of the few artists that in the last five ten years has really got my attention. Really, like his, his that one album where each each album was uh, like a different city. Um, in the states, oh, I that's love Suf Sufian. That's Sufian Steve. No, 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 no. Not it's a, it's this is Bonavere. It's definitely Bonavere. I know Sufian. You're the, thinking the states not, too. On one album, there's like a the songs oh. are called Holocene, whatever, like different cities. Oh, okay. okay. I know okay. What you're talking about Sufian did a bunch of albums named after different states, but Bonavere, I I fucking I loved it. I'm surprised you didn't dig it. What were we gonna say? Oh, nothing. I was just thinking about, like I was saying, I had like a kind of a, just a not pleasant response to his voice. I was thinking two of my favorite singers, when I first heard their voices, I fucking hated it. 
I think there's something to be said where like, I heard somebody say one time that like, if you hear some music and you're just like, Hey, yeah, that's cool. And you're just generally kind of into it. You might like it. and It'll probably go away forever, but the bands and the musicians that you really love sometimes will be something that you initially have a caustic, almost angry response to. And for me, oh. that was Elliot Smith and Rufus Wainwright. The first time I heard them, I was just like, turn this the fuck off immediately. And then now they're two of my favorite guys. I cannot believe there was a time that you didn't love Elliot Smith. Like when I think of you, when I think of you and I think of music in the same thought, Elliot Smith comes to mind because I know how much you love it. I'm shocked by that. Yeah, I didn't like it at all in the beginning. But then was now it, it's like... Was it his soft approach? Was it his yeah. melody or just... It just felt like it was uncommitted. Like, you know, he wasn't really like trying hard. But then I went, oh my God, these songs are like incredible songs. And then it all just was like, oh, this is his thing. He can do no wrong. Yep. I'm not, I'm not super well-versed in Elliot Smith music. But what I do like about him is that soft approach in, in my mind. Like I write songs and I sing them because I write them, but I hate singing and I hate my voice. And listening to him, it remi- it makes me feel like he's singing soft because he doesn't want people to really hear his voice. Like he, he sounds huh. timid and scared. Interesting. And that's one thing I like about it. Interesting. Yep. I could be totally wrong. I mean, we can't ask him because he weirdly killed himself with a knife, but... Um, I know, right? Yeah. Well, do you have? Do you, can you pick like a favorite song of all time? Like, if you had one song, and if if your gravestone oh. could infinitely play a song when people come and piss on your grave, what would that song be? <laughs> Good one. Um, Jesus, just one. Holy shit! Just one. I don't think so. Maybe okay. Well, pick the first couple that came to mind and see what you. Um, and I'll tell you which one you get. Nine Inch Nails, something I can never have, is incredible. Okay. Um, Oasis, Slide Away. Oh, I love that song. Oh my god, that's such a that good song. That is a that's song one of my favorites of theirs. Where the verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and B section are just all choruses. They're all just like. Oh. Oasis, <clears throat> I think I think they're the band that had the rule of like, okay, you have this amazing chorus. You write the chorus first. Great. That's your verse. Now make something better for the chorus. I think oh, one of their producers did that or something. Really? I think so. Wow. Where, where Noel or maybe Noel would write something as a chorus. And the rule was, once you love that, make it the verse. And now how do you top that with a chorus? Wow, that's um, cool. So Slide Away is one of them. Three Days, Jane's Addiction is one of my favorites all time. Oh, yeah. Just like I love that it, song. Because that, that song, that might be my number one because it fills, if you want a soft song, there it is in the beginning. If you want this metal shit, that's at the end. Normal rock shit. Um, mm. that, that's like the, the, that's the epitome of Jane's Addiction to me is Three Days. Man, that's a lot of good songs. You're making me love music again. Now you're making me think. <laughs> what about you? You should you should have a show where like uh you know where we like you know play play songs and stuff. Play play a chunk of like we don't have to play the full song. We could play like you know the verse to the chorus or whatever your favorite part is, and bring like fucking ten epics that you know people need to know about. 
support okay. some new stuff or whatever, you know? You and I, <clears throat> this is the cool thing about Patreon is that you don't have to follow the rules of like what you can play and can't play. So we should do a Patreon only show where we each bring five songs that we want the other person to hear, whether we've heard them or not. And we'll dissect them and talk about them at depth. Ooh, that's fun. Nice. Let's do that. It's almost like that guy. Do you ever watch that guy, Rick Beato on oh. YouTube? Wait, is he the guy that breaks down? Why is this song yeah. great? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, I love that guy. Um, yeah, amazing. Because it, it, it nerds out and talks about like, you know, music theory wise, why this song works, but also just like captures vibe and, production and, and guitar amps. tones yes and, yeah and like and this is when the brothers were fighting and you could tell and this is like in the last song they recorded but he has so much information and, and the, yeah. he's like playing every instrument he'll be yep. like and then what's cool about the drum break is this and it'll cut and it'll be behind the drums he's like right here he goes the fucking hi-hat where you don't expect him to and then that's uh, great he talks about it like some people listening may not know this but there's certain reasons songs make you feel a certain way emotionally and it has to do with like the key it's in you know if you if you're playing a guitar here playing a part here you move it one fret up it changes the entire feeling of the song it changes the whole emotion the whole everything and he talks about that kind of stuff which as a songwriter do you ever did you ever fuck around with like oh you were you were a big capo guy i think for your for your acoustic shows right just a little bit just, just I, because I never was very good at capo stuff, and okay. so when I did some acoustic stuff, then in those days, I'm like, let's try moving it up and see what it's like. So did I was like a big capo guy. But did you fuck around with different tunings when you were writing songs? I was always so bad. With I tried. I thought that made people really interesting, and that's why I can't play any Elliot Smith songs because he was like, he would tune shit like on the fly. Oh and yeah. Like, go oh i'm gonna have it be like this not mm -hmm. like a specific tuning and then it would be kind of off and he would it would be like it, it, this is on drugs the dude was and also drugs. <laughs> i think like, let's he, sing it on that he would also track his guitar parts in different tunings so even when you're listening you oh. can't figure what the fuck he's playing because there's these clashing notes and you can't tell which guitar is doing what so it's it's kind of genius <sighs> but also frustrating some of my stuff yeah i couldn't i i gave up I'm really Let's, bad at learning songs. Like I'm just really ear learning. I'm really bad. You yeah, did them well so. though. You what? What Elliot Smith song did you do? There's one. Um, you did Lilac Wine from Jeff Buckley a lot. What Elliot yeah. Smith songs did you do? Um, I did. Da, 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 da. Sorry, I'm looking because no, I don't want to take your time. Um, I did the one. I did between the bars. That was the one between the and then uh, Christian brothers. Yeah. Okay. That was okay. the one from, uh, how do you like them apples? Yeah. Goodwill hunting. Yep. Yes. Love that fucking That movie. featured your countrymen. It sure did. It absolutely did. Uh, I've wanted to ask you a question for a while because someone asked, there's a question from some of our listeners that I thought would lead into a good question I had for you. So let me read this to you. Someone asked, uh, Mark from Scotland asked a while ago, any conspiracy theory documentary recommendations to watch while I'm bored out of my tits on lockdown? Stay safe, guys. Stay safe. The best conspiracy theory to watch right now is just uh, American politics. Just watch that, <laughs> and, and that's uh, that's plenty for you. Um, okay, where's this question about music? Okay, this is from Neil. Are there any bands or artists that surprised you as how good they are as a live act compared to how they sound on record? Anything stand out for you? 
interesting. Um, yeah, there's a band. Well, I mean, they were they were, I already really loved their albums. Uh, there's, there's an English band. They're happening right now. Like, there's an actual great band uh, out of England, and they're called Nothing But Thieves. Do you know okay. these guys? Nope. They're really good. It's almost like if you had, like, Jeff Buckley with some Tom York with, like, a really good, like, when Radiohead rocked the most, plus a little bit. Like, okay. they just have an amazing depth of of dynamics mm -hmm. um and i'm like wow this is like god i love these albums these are great when some at the el rey and it was fucking perfect like the guy was better than he sounded on album and like you know you know live music it's it's like fucking i never sounded as good as on an album you know because you do that over and over until you get it right and then you cut it together and it's like perfect this yeah. guy was perfect every fucking note plus an extra 15% of balls to the wall amazingness. And wow. the whole band was so good. So I love them. Um, and to be honest, watching Saturday Night Live, they play so many acts that I don't give a shit about. You know, it'll be like Christina Aguilera or something where I just am like, you know, pop stuff. And then you'll see them on Saturday Night Live and go, either they're a total piece of shit and they should not be making music and why are you on tv or oh i see you're talented oh wow well done and it mm -hmm. doesn't happen that often but a lot of acts that i would never listen to their music i just go oh that pop song whatever i go like whoa you're a great singer like uh you know um ariana grande okay you know, i'm just like not interested in that kind of music does gives me nothing but then you go oh that short chick can sing right right there's a there's a country guy. How about you? Is Chris Stapleton? Is that a country dude? It sounds like it. Okay, there's a yeah, guy, Chris Stapleton, who's like, I don't really like his songs, but again, I saw him in SNL, and huge dude playing a cool old telly, and like his voice was fucking badass, and like his song sounded better live. It, it didn't sound like. Huh. country music it was like this is a this is a rock band with a country twing to it or whatever it is, whatever it is mm -hmm. um but totally snl that's a good example of bands you see them in a different light when they perform on there um right queens of the stone age i think do have incredible records and they match it or bring it harder live that's another band where live they're yeah. almost better because there's such an element to the way they look as individuals on stage where uh, it just the whole the whole thing is better, kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> this is my Josh Homme. That's really not good. He, it's a lot of hips. Imagine this, but imagine a guy doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of hips. He's got his Elvis <laughs> kind of swing. He has a little bit of swing to it. Uh, and back when Nick yeah, Oliveri was in so the band, when Nick Oliveri was in the band, he brought such an element of like crazy danger to the live show because he was like, yeah, you know, the long goatee was bald and like looked like he was like couldn't wait for the show to be over so we could have some more speed like you're just so so fiending um so queens is one of those bands that, that they're better they're better live uh hmm. mastodon live absolutely incredible oh really never saw you them know, live. frankly like like i stopped listening to pearl jam in after their third album it just became almost unlistenable to me mm -hmm. but them in the day 
like the first album, that was when I was at MTV and I was seeing all kinds of bands all over the place. I was shocked at how good they were live. Like just incredibly good. Um, so, so that's exactly, you just brought up yeah. what I wanted to talk about. Uh, Steve was a VJ at MTV for how long were you there for? Well, first you have to explain MTV was a cable channel and they used to play music, but it wasn't, it, it was music that had a video element. So musicians ah. would make these things called videos that were the length of the song. And then they would shoot them either live or they would make like narrative thematic things, almost like little mini movies or art pieces. And moving pictures? Music videos. It was kind of like moving pictures, like okay. motion pictures on your television to sell That's a song. Music. Wow. No one, no one knows, Dan. And you, you worked there for how long? Like a year and a half, almost two years. Okay. Not so long. during, during those years, um, what, what were the standout moments for you as far as either musical performances? Cause you were there for a couple, I think pretty historic MTV moments. Um, oh, so yeah. I want to, I want to know some standout music moments and some standout interview or um off-camera experiences that 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 stay with you still well i was really blessed in that back in the day when mtv was happening everybody wanted the job that i got which was an mtv vj you're like wait you like all you do is go to see shows or talk about music and you get to be famous instantly. And that was famous for me. I knew all the damn MTV VJs. I watched MTV all the damn time. Me too. So it was like Same. all I wanted. It was like, all I could imagine was like, Oh my God, I want that job. Go figure. I got that job. They moved me to New York. And then about a month after I got there, Nirvana broke. And so MTV at that point was like, it always played shitty pop music, but then also broke bands and things. So that was when hair bands <laughs> and about the only good shit that I really liked out of that was like Guns N' Roses. Like I loved Guns N' Roses, but I, I hated a lot of the hair metal. I was like, it's fake and blah, blah, blah. And then the pop was like MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, Whitney Houston, da, 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 right? So when I got there, I was the only like long-haired musician guy. So when Nirvana broke and all of a sudden all that other music seemed dated and antiquated. And for some reason, like, you know, white kids love Nirvana, black kids love Nirvana, people in dance clubs in New York, they would play Nirvana. It was weird how one song wrapped up a huge amount of people at the same time. I'd never seen anything like it. And at MTV, it all of a sudden became like, we got to play bands. Let's get Seattle bands in this thing. And all of a sudden I was the guy who knew music. And so I was very, very lucky at that point. Like they're sending me around. I got to go to Spain and, you know, go, <laughs> I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, but I got to like tour the country and I got to go to any show, anybody who was playing at like Madison square garden or a club or whatever. It's just like, I go and it's free open door just bars, come on. Yeah. and they have MTV on the TV and I'm on the TV and they're just giving me free drinks. It was like, I drank my face off and just partied and, it was, I had a real fun time. But as far as like stories, um, I was super into the Seattle bands. And I loved Nirvana and I loved Pearl Jam and I helped get them on the air. Super like a champion of getting their first video on the air. And um, 
but they fought like if you remember oasis and blur had this famous kind of battle right uh kurt cobain thought the pearl jam was invalid and they were writing the coattails of the seattle scene and i thought that was lame and back in the day rolling stone had a, a letter speech and you could write letters physical letters on paper and you put it in an envelope and you send it and they would print some of them so i wrote a letter and i just was like basically just you know kurt you know i you know you guys are part of the good thing and this is super pretentious you trying to say that they don't deserve a place like why can't you guys get along right well they printed it and then i went to spain did i ever tell you about this i don't think so this all sounds new to me went to spain okay i went to spain and like ran with the bulls for mtv and then went to a bunch of different cities and i'm like whoa i'm in europe it was my first time in europe holy shit and i was supposed to interview nirvana and because they were playing at some huge arena like this massive arena off their like first single and uh, we, get, uh, we get a message saying, Kurt says that anybody on MTV can interview us but Steve. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh. You're shitting me. Oops. No, no, no. I never told you this? Yeah. No. So anybody but Steve can interview them. So they're like, well, we got to figure out something else to do. Well, Soundgarden is in town. Why don't you go interview them? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I love Soundgarden. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I interview them at this at this bar and we're hanging out and they're like, oh, you want to come in to the Nirvana show in our tour bus? Because we're going to go there right after the interview. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, let me check and my so watch. We yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> so we did. And then they went to like backstage zone and they're like, oh, you want to come? I'm like, no, I want to see the show. So I was in like the pit of this arena with all these sweaty Spanish kids. Everybody's just like fucking wet with like, well, it was a sweaty crowd. I'll right. just say that. But everybody's losing their shit and, and stage diving. And I was like just having a great time watching the guy who just said that, you know, I couldn't interview them. That's incredible. That's fucking incredible. I had no idea. And then you were also, yeah. you were also on hand when they did their, um, their in-studio. There's like a famous MTV in-studio performance. Yeah. Weren't you standing there for that as well? I lost that video too. I had the raw video of that and somehow it disappeared. I had the raw VHS tape. So Nirvana broke, right? Nirvana like was like, oh my God, everybody wanted Nirvana. So they came to MTV to do a special concert where they just cleared out the stage and they're just going to sit there and play. And um, <laughs> it's really sad. Uh, and he had his purple hair because he was yep. going to go to Saturday Night Live that night and play. And I went to go see them then. Um, and they walked around, and I got them to sign a poster. I had a yeah. giant Nevermind cover poster, and they all signed it. Um, and I sold it like an asshole. <laughs> I, I, I still, I like, I like to when give, I knew you. It was so I like stupid. to give you shit about that whenever I can. Yeah, it's horribly stupid. I can't imagine what that's worth now. They drew pictures and all this stuff. Anyway, uh, they played this gig. Um, at the MTV studios and smashed their guitar. And I like had a piece of it. I had a piece of his headstock and I like got a, a push pin and I stuck it to my bulletin board and somebody stole it. So I have all oh. this great memorabilia that's just gone. Fucking it. Um, but that was amazing. And I got from MTV the raw full performance because they were got bored and started writing songs and playing shit. And they wouldn't talk to any, Kurt wouldn't talk to anybody. He'd just sit there with his guitar and they just played 
for about like two hours just playing their songs when the camera's on and then just dicking around and doing covers. And uh, I don't have that video. That is such a shame, dude. <laughs> that would be a really amazing yeah. thing to have nowadays. Yeah, it would. Nice job, yeah. dude. Way to go. Thanks. <laughs> uh, there was the time that I got in trouble with Michael Jackson, but I'm sure I told you that one. You, you have, but I, I don't That's know if our book. audience I don't know if our audience has heard it. So please tell that story. That's a great one. That's it's gonna make me sound like a racist these days, but I'm not, by the way. But I'll tell you the story. It just it sounds bad, I think, in the retelling now. So um uh so Michael Jackson was the thing. Like he was everything for a while in music. It was just crazy, right? And then Nirvana came, and Nirvana was actually a thing that took him off number one. It was really weird, right? Um and I loved Michael Jackson, but at that point, he was just weird. But people hadn't come to terms yet with how weird he actually was. He was just becoming white, which was strange. And he was hanging out with little children all the time, which was strange. But he was so big that it just, I don't think people really thought much about that. At least I didn't. People just went, oh, he's just kind of this weird Peter Pan character, right? Eccentric. So he was eccentric. He was eccentric. At this point, this is when Dangerous came out. And that also had a weird tone. At that point, when he came out with an album, Dangerous, and it was a little like, what's the, up with this guy? Um, he went on Oprah and he did an interview. And she asked him, she said, well, what is happening with your skin color? And he said, well, you know, I've got, um, I've got this skin disease and it's, it's, it's changing color. And so I want to try to make it one unified color. Uh, with makeup and that's that's my situation and you know i just said on mtv one time i said oh it's michael jackson and we saw this oprah thing and it's like you know it's it's he's on his way to being fluorescent folks you know i was just i made a joke about his skin color which is you know now not so great uh -huh. um and apparently he heard and or his management heard and so they uh, took me into an MTV office, and the thing aired. So the producer took some blame, too. Um, and they took me to the office, and, and they said, uh, that never should have gone out there. Not on, like, a racial basis. Nobody thought it sounded racist. I just think it does personally now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, or, you know, tones. Um, and they said he was really really unhappy with 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 talking about any of that uh yeah. and i'm like okay well i you know what do we want me to do about it they're like well and we have to make a michael jackson weekend all weekend this coming weekend to try to get him to calm down so i was to blame for one of those all weekend michael jackson things amazing i i, I thought that came you know. from uh from the time that you you outed him also for giving himself the name the King of Pop, right? No, not not I didn't do that. No. That was oh. that was that was Kurt Loder did that. Kurt Loder did that. I always thought Secretly. that was you. Okay. He okay. sent that to no, he sent that to Rolling Stone. We got a memo. We got like a piece of paper that said from now on you have to refer to Michael Jackson as the King of Pop at least I think two times an hour if you're speaking about his music. It was, I thought it was insane. It was so weird. And he had to call him the King of Pop because he wanted that name. Um, I didn't do it, but then all of a sudden it came out, I believe in Rolling Stone about that. Oh, he, MTV has to call him King of Pop. And I heard it was Kurt Loder did it on the. Wild. Are you still, uh, are you still in touch with anybody from your MTV days? No. 
Okay. No. Um, I think I, I talked to, or like had some kind of like a text or I think on Twitter, something like Kennedy years ago, but now I don't have, I mean, God bless her. I hope she has a long life, but I don't have anything to do with anybody that has anything to do with Fox news. Right. And for at this point, Danny, <laughs> I, I, I have my blocklet. Like I've, I've, I, I just unfriended somebody on Facebook. I found out that they were a Trump person. I saw a picture of them at one of those Beverly Hills things. And she was a friend for a long time. No, 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 sorry. Life's too short. Facebook has shown me that I have a, a fair amount of friend groups like we all do. Mm-hmm. You don't need them all. You don't need them all. True. Uh, and also, I'm not, uh, anybody who's given any money to Trump or the Republicans, they don't need my money. In and out. Uh, fucking Chick-fil-A can fuck off. Home Depot. I'll see you at Lowe's. All yep. those fuckers. Go to didn't, hell. Didn't Chick-fil-A reverse their stance on the the gay thing too late fair too late fair okay fair yeah and i heard it was a little like uh it wasn't so much a reversal as they like i'd have to look it up but they did some kind of little tip of the hat thing but too late it's we know where your heart's at fair you know yeah, it's fair enough not and frankly the food isn't so fucking good who cares i don't need if the food's like okay i don't i don't need it in my life yeah, I've I've never fully understood the uh, the Chick Fil A fanatic folks. Like it's yeah, fine, it's fine, it's great, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. What about everybody, In-N-Out Burger. Like, are you crazy about that? Because April, the wife, is crazy about In-N-Out Burger, and I'm like, it's okay. I think that it's a great burger, but I think the Habit Burger is the same exact burger and uh, but better. I think it's better. To me, I don't know if I could. Burger. I don't know if I could tell the difference, but my favorite burger. Don't say the place, but it's a place in my neighborhood that I brought you to. It's my favorite burger in Los Angeles. Um, who are, they're currently closed, of course, but um, in and out as far as fast food burgers, I think it's great. You know, I'm not. I'm you, not you don't want to say the name of the place. You're just no, because I don't want to tell, tell people where I live. Steve, I mean, just listen. We live in the valley. The LA <clears throat> is huge. Steve, please don't do this to me. <laughs> I got too much heat right now, dude. With all my <laughs> tweets and my posts, I got too much heat, dude. The FBI, okay. I, I, I just, I ratted on someone to the FBI. It's the second time I've done it in the last two years. I'm just, I don't want people knowing, dude. Do you want to, after this, we'll go by Steve Carell's house because it's it's right over there by the lake in Toluca Lake and we'll fucking go and, and trick or treat in January. Great. That sounds good. Um, you but know, there's I'll, a lot I'll, of super famous people that like, we can just listen, look up where they live. I will have to drive there from my home in Venice. Okay. <laughs> of course <laughs> we know of what a trek that is. Yes. Fine, it's a sir. long, long drive. <laughs> it's um, a long ride. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this one for tonight. This is a good, this is a good show. We're ending on a high sounds note, good. ripping on, you know, Steve with his racist rant against Michael Jackson is a nice way to end this episode. <laughs> um, We'll be sure to not bring up race next week so as not to upset Steve because he has a really, really tough time with uh, like race relations and <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I've learned my lesson. But you understand how now I feel a little bit sensitive about it. But then I really wasn't saying – basically, I was, I was like, this guy is fucking insane. I felt like I needed to like represent that like – can we not see how that this guy is just fucking crazy? It was more <clears throat> that he was becoming a, a, a goth alien creature 
than trying to like get rid of his black heritage or his uh, of course. The, the melanin it's wild. situation. It's, it's fucking, it's and we found out exactly what his friggin' deal is. Oh yeah. My God. Totally wild. Um, totally, totally wild. And I remember back in those days too, I forget who it was or where I read it, but someone pointed out that Michael Jackson went from a black man to a white woman. And it was just a, it was a funny joke back then. I enjoy that. But kind that's of shit. actually kind of true. We see that there's, I believe that that's was, that was a, that there's a lot of truth in that. There was something happening there. There was an identity that was trying to come out. And frankly, he was kind of forced into a certain identity. And like, you know, like a, a lot of, you know, people of color are like forced, like if you don't fit into this mold, we are going to reject you. Or even if you do fit in the mold that yeah. we expect, we will reject you. Yeah. But now like, you know, there's a lot, at least a lot more progressive fluid gender identities coming out, which is, you know, helpful, but he didn't, you know, he didn't have that benefit. I wonder, I really wonder what he thought he was. As far, you mean either Sexually, black or white? Okay. Identity. I mean, I know it's not supposed to matter. You're not supposed, you're supposed to be your soul or whatever, but I, I mean, I, We'll never know what was really going on in his mind. Like I, I do believe. I, I wish. I wish we knew. I do believe that he did think he was a kid. Like I really do believe he thought he was a child. So hmm. if he, you, you and I, like both our couples, like your wife, your wife, my wife, and the two of us, all watched that Finding Leaving Neverland documentary oh. together. And so hard to watch. It brought up. We talked about it at length on on these shows, but uh, it really made you think. And ask yourself tough questions like, if a grown man believes that he's a child and he's fucking around with kids, is he to blame? The answer is, of course he is, but it must be really confusing for someone who, like, he goes, I think I'm a child, too. I'm just like them. I want to lick his ass, <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's got to be such a weird feeling for someone who identifies as a child to like get all this shit for wanting to hang out with kids all the time. I mean, I'm sure a psychologist would have a field day trying to, to pull apart Michael Jackson's life and decisions, but um, I'm no psychologist, my man. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's wrap this one up. I'm going to keep it. Let's keep it lighter than the last show. A, Let, a let's, let's end on pedophilia yeah. and then just end out on a, a high. I like, to, I like to leave the shows on something that's like, scandalous but also sexy so pedophilia is going to be it <laughs> steve isaacs right. thank you very much for uh joining tonight we got one more Thanks week with you and I'm, i've been having a blast with you and do you have a guitar at your house i do i'd have to take it out and like change the strings and tune it and learn how to play a song which Listen, is an awful lot <clears throat> see. I don't know. if you want to drop it off i'm a guitar tech <laughs> and you gave me that career so i'm happy to tune it up for you if you Aww. feel like doing a song next week. You'd do it a thousand times better than I could. I've always been shitty at setting up my guitars. Oh, real quick. The the biggest fuck up uh, of my career happened working for you. Do you remember on the Panic Channel tour when we were playing uh, the Borgata in Atlantic City? And <laughs> the first song of the set, <clears throat> I believe you came out to uh, Said You'd Be. Is that how we started the set? Uh-huh. And then... The second song, second song was T.S. of the Spirits, where then I would give you your guitar and you start playing guitar. That was like, no, my first tour ever was that tour. And I remember at the Borgata in Atlantic City, I gave you your guitar and you started like playing T.S. of the Spirits. 
and there was no sound. He looked at me like, what the fuck? I didn't even plug in your pedal board. I didn't even turn on your guitar amp. Like I forgot <laughs> to do it before the show started. And to this day, that's still my biggest like brain fart mistake I've ever made is like, that's, the, well, that's pretty good. It's a big I mean, one. I mean, it's a big word, fuck up. But it was in the beginning of your career and everything. And Still. I didn't want to say anything back then because we're friends and everything. So now that enough time has passed, I just want to, you know, I want to say you're fucking fired. And on that note, Get the fuck out. On that note, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you can find Steve at Steve Isaacs on social media. You can also look up Haunted Water Park and check out Steve's awesome shirts. He's wearing one right now, the Kamala Rocks. Oh, yeah. Um, shirt there it is right check, there it's beautiful you can check dan out on rose street 22416 rose street in venice shame on you shame on you they'll bring you baked goods you, <clears throat> you know what you just did fans. you're fucking libtard doxing me that's what you just did <laughs> you doxed me <laughs> um thank you everybody uh follow us at rare from radio if you're listening on itunes just leave us a review Give us five stars. Don't be so fucking stingy with your, with your compliments and your likes and your love. If you're watching this on YouTube, fucking like the thing. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Spread it like AIDS. We got to build this thing up so we can buy Steve a house. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, thank you guys. Tomorrow's Just the Future's Yesterday. We'll be back next week with our last week with Mr. Steve Isaacs. Steve, thank you. I will see you next week. This is Lola, and I'm here to tell the world to stop being such pussies and listen to Rare Form Radio.